From Johannesburg to Jerusalem, the world is always changing, growing and innovating. Join Benji Shulman for the next hour as he brings you the trendsetters, the thought leaders and those creating news before it happens. Only on the New Blue Review, your favorite Jewish culture and current affairs show. Every Monday at 9 a.m. right here on 101.9 High FM. You're listening to 101.9 Hi FM. I'm Benji Schulman and this is the New Blue Review. Welcome to the show on this Monday morning. Hope that you are doing well out there and are ready for the week ahead. As usual, we've got a smashing show with an interesting group of guests and topics for you. And I'm excited to say that the first person we have as part of the show for today is Warren Bank. And he is interesting from a number of perspectives, including uh, a long history in shul choirs, and he is a member of the bar in, in South Africa, or at least he was. Uh, but the current reason why we're talking to him is that Warren lives in Bermuda. Now, I've never been to Bermuda, uh, and I've never met anyone who's been to Bermuda before, and I certainly didn't know any Jews that live there. So I thought, well, let's get Warren on and chat to him about what it is like. Uh, Warren, thank you so much for joining us uh, all the way in Bermuda, and welcome to the show. Thanks so very much for being on on FM. Thank you, Benji, and uh, good morning or good evening to your listeners. I'm not sure what time this is being broadcast, but over here it's a beautiful afternoon in Bermuda. So uh, thank you very much for having me on the show. Yeah, fantastic. Lovely to have you on. How did you end up in Bermuda, Warren? Uh, did you flip a coin or something? <laughs> it's a very good question. I was living in the UK. I've been out of South Africa for about seven years now, and I was in the UK working as a barrister, self-employed barrister, which is the equivalent to an advocate, where I'd been uh, practicing in Johannesburg for many, many years. And uh, after the year of COVID and all of that, as I don't need to mention, it, it, it had quite a serious effect on the legal profession and everyone, really. But uh, it, it uh, called into question sort of where I was going in my own career. And a call came out and I was essentially headhunted into a position. Bermuda is one of the British overseas territories. So it's in the same category as places like the Cayman Islands, British Virgin Islands, Gibraltar. So they're not they're former colonies and they have their own self-governing status, but there is still very strong link to the United Kingdom. So, for example, Bermuda doesn't have its own uh, embassies or consulates. It's represented by the United Kingdom. When the UK signs treaties, that'll cover a place like Bermuda. And we have a, a governor who's the Queen's representative, but there's a parliament and a Senate that's been here since the 1600s. So it's not some flower-blown swamp of an island in the Caribbean. In fact, Bermuda is only 90 minutes flight from JFK, New York. So most people, including myself, when I first learned it, are incredibly surprised to find out that Bermuda is nowhere near Barbados, Bahamas, Turks and Caicos, it is effectively about 650 miles off the coast of North Carolina. So that puts us very, very close to New York, Boston, Toronto, etc. And about six hours flight from London in the North Atlantic on a uh, volcanic outcrop of rock in the shape of a uh, semicircle or Nike swoosh. 
that is about 21 square miles and it has a population of 65,000. So you're sort of like an outpost of the British Empire within a little bit of the American sphere of influence. That must affect the culture of the place quite a lot. That's a very good question. So we just like in South Africa, we drive on the left with right-hand drive cars, although the cars we have here are very, very small because the roads are narrow and you wouldn't fit a, uh, for example, a, a high-ace minibus taxi would have trouble getting down a lot of the very, very narrow roads. In a lot of the suburbs, there are no pavements. So when you're walking you know, or jogging, you've got to be very, very careful. Uh, most people drive bus bikes, motorbikes, and unfortunately, we have quite a high rate of accidents here. But if someone were to ask me, what is it like if you're just a fly on the wall in Bermuda? What does it look like? I'd say the closest is my hometown of Durban. Uh, we have a subtropical rather than a tropical climate. It's quite mild. Uh, the humidity is actually less than you'd find in Durban, and the uh, summer temperatures don't even go into the 30s. So uh, right now it's mid-June, and I'd say it's about 25, 26 degrees outside, pretty damp, but not too bad. And in winter, it goes down till about 15 or 16 degrees Celsius. So it's it's but it can get pretty damp. We get tropical storms and, and winds, but the trees and plants and foliage and general vegetation, as well as the colonial architecture, very, very much remind one of Durban or Simonstown, you know, to, to give an idea. So it, it, it is very British and colonial and a lot of British flags. And of course, the Bermuda flag is the red ensign, the red flag with the British flag in the corner, but all our appliances and the voltage is completely American. So our plugs and our appliances are totally American. The produce in the supermarkets mainly comes from the US and Canada, but for all those the British expats that are homesick, we've got Tesco's, Marks and Spencer's, uh, Sainsbury's and Waitrose produce in our supermarkets. There are no chain stores. So there's no Starbucks coffee or Gap uh, clothing. It's all private um, uh, stores, own label stores, because the government does not allow any franchises. So it does make it slightly different and a little bit more refreshing. Now, just to touch on the geography or stay with it for a moment, Warren, uh, I think if you ask most people about Bermuda, they're going to say something about a triangle. And so maybe you could talk about about that, where does that come from? And, and is, it, is it fair on the Bermudans to think of the Bermuda Triangle whenever you think of it? It always brings a smile to my face because unfortunately, I think they didn't want to call it the Puerto Rico Triangle because the area of ocean that is covered by it is very much more Florida, Puerto Rico. And, and that triangle only touches the southern shores of Bermuda. Um, uh, from what my research indicates, it's really just a fiction uh, because uh, most of the planes or ships that supposedly disappeared were shown to have actually sunk because of the uh, crazy uh, weather patterns that can come up very suddenly and the storms that do come up. But but I, I cannot remember when one last ever heard of a plane or ship, et cetera, disappearing. And of course, with most craft having GPS navigation these days, the chances are far less likely. 
So, yes, it's very much part of the urban culture. And I know there is one tourist attraction with a bus with a few alien heads painted on it uh, with a bit of a, a ride experience called the Triangle Experience. But other than that, you know, it's more really known for incredible sailing, uh, water sports. You're never more than half a mile from, from any ocean here. We're surrounded by it. And having grown up in Durban, I must say, and having lived most of my life landlocked, it is such a pleasure to see this sparkling turquoise flat ocean on most days. So to answer your question, no, the triangle doesn't come into our um, our thoughts at all. But in any event, I live on the North Shore, so I'm technically well outside the triangle. So it ends on the There's South no, Shore. No chance of disappearing there then, Warren. Um, now, you've talked about the geography. Let's talk about the people. You, you've spoken about British expats, uh, but I'm assuming uh, Bermuda does have a quite a range of sort of financial people, uh, legal people like yourself from around the world as well, South Africans. Yeah, that, yeah, that's quite correct. Bermuda is one of the world's major centers for insurance and reinsurance. So reinsurance companies are those un who underwrite other insurers and pool the risk, for example, to underwrite catastrophe insurance, for example, the kind of insurance payouts that have to be made after, for example, Hurricane Katrina or any other kind of natural catastrophe are in the billions. And no one insurer would ever be able to afford that. And we only have people say, well, how many cities are there in Bermuda? There's only Hamilton and a small settlement of St. George. You know, it's not big enough to have different uh, uh, cities. So Hamilton is probably even smaller than a town like, for example, Kimberley or Polokwane in South Africa. But it has about 5,000 insurance companies head headquartered here. And uh, some of the world's major shipping companies are Bermuda registered. And when I last checked, about 20% of the Hong Kong stock exchange companies are domiciled here. So although physically it's very small, uh, it also is the legal home to some massive, massive companies, offshore trusts, hedge funds, uh, reinsurance funds, or any insurance-linked securities. So because of that, it brings in its wake a huge amount of financial professionals. So any actuaries listening out here, this is an actuary's paradise because you get to live in a kind of a paradise and it really is uh, an insurer's um, heaven over here. And you talk about South Africans. There are a fortune of South Africans. I'd hazard a guess that per capita, there are more South Africans here than anywhere in London because of the chartered accountant talent and young talent coming out of South Africa. So there are fortune of people from Cape Town, PE, Joburg, who are at some of the big name accounting firms uh, doing either auditing or consulting, and they still seem to be streaming in at an increasing rate. Not too many lawyers, because of course, we follow a common law system like in England and Wales. And because I'm experienced and qualified in that, I was able to uh, come over here. Interestingly, in order to keep people out, they have a requirement that you cannot be called to the bar of Bermuda until you've been a resident on the island for a whole year. Although um, the size of the litigation that takes place in the courts in Bermuda is so massive because of the nature of the, um, uh, you know, the funds and, the, say, for example, cross-border insolvency. So they do bring in top, 
UK, London, Queen's Council, senior council, to argue cases here on an ad hoc basis. But it's a very small place. And of course, uh, you can't go anywhere or do anything without being noticed. And I don't think th secrets are kept very well here because it's such a small place. And uh, one of the joys of living here is being recognized in the street. And uh, the p you asked me about the people. So it's a very much a mixture. Um, you know, South Africans were obsessed with race. So people would want to know, I'd say 55% to about 55% are native Bermudians who are descendants of slaves. Uh, the rest are descendants of the original British settler families. I think there were 30 or 40 families that came here. Then you've got a very large Portuguese community, which most people don't know about. And unlike South Africa, where our Portuguese community came from, uh, Lorenzo Marx, Angola, Madeira, the Bermudian Portuguese came from the Azores Islands. So they are Azorean. And uh, unlike South Africa, we do not have any Portuguese restaurants at all. There's no Prego rolls or peri-peri chicken or kosher Nando's, none of that. But you do hear Portuguese spoken in the streets uh, fairly um, often. And uh, there's a lot of, um, you know, transit between, uh, between Bermuda and Azores. Warren Bank today on 101.9 High FM chatting to us about what is it like to live in Bermuda? This is the New Blue Review with Benji Shulman. You're back with 101.9 Chai FM. I'm Benji Shulman, and this is the New Blue Review, talking today to Warren Bank. Uh, he is a lawyer living in Bermuda, and we are finding out all about that country. Uh, sorry, Warren, we, we, we cut you off just before the break, but perhaps talking about the people, do you want to maybe uh, give us a background about the Jewish community? What is it like <clears throat> to be Jewish in Bermuda? Can you be Jewish? Can you get kosher food? Okay, so that's an interesting question. There, traditionally, there wasn't much of a community in Bermuda. There was a U.S. naval base here until a few years ago. And also, what's quite interesting, a NASA uh, base to track some of the rockets that were launched from Cape Canaveral in Florida. Uh, as I said, we're not far off the U.S. East Coast. And out of that naval base with some Jewish personnel, there was a chaplain and there was a small community. However, that has morphed into an association known as the JCB, the Jewish Community of Bermuda. And that is a purely voluntary community. It's totally non-denominational. It's a registered nonprofit. It's a member of the Commonwealth Jewish Council as well. And it comprises mainly young families. There are quite a few Americans and Canadians, a couple of Australian and British, and yes, a handful of South Africans, but not too many. It has Orthodox, Conservative, Reform members, Sephardi, Ashkenazi, all kinds. And of course, we don't meet that often. We have a synagogue, which is actually leased from the Anglican Church, very ecumenical and uh, friendly. And we have meetings, we have uh, a shul service generally once a month, quite a few sort of social activities like Omer bonfire, Hanukkah lighting. The big festivals are, of course, the High Holy Days and the Pesach Seder at the Yacht Club. And then, of course, there's a Torah Tots nursery school, Cheder, that meets once a week. Now, one of the first questions that I'm always asked and anyone's asked, 
what about Chabad? Because Chabad is everywhere in the world, and they're in Nepal and in Turks and Caicos and the Cayman Islands, but there up till now has been no Chabad whatsoever in Bermuda. And part of that is because it's such a restricted island with high barriers to entry. For example, even if you buy property here, you cannot get citizenship or permanent residence. I, along with most expats, are on work permits that have to be renewed. And it has a constitution and bill of rights that only favors Bermudians and uh, permanent resident holders. So here I was thinking, Warren, that that you were going to tell me that the Chabad had got sucked into the Bermuda Triangle, but apparently not. Well, uh, if they they have been for the last uh, few decades, but the good news is we're working, I'm certainly working very closely with a Chabad rabbi who's currently in London, and we're hoping to establish Chabad of Bermuda for the very first time in the coming months. And of course, as I said, there's a lot of legal and bureaucratic red tape to go through before we can uh, get that done. But there is a huge amount of demand. You can understand we have four to five cruise ships in port that sail from Boston, New York, and Florida every week. There are a lot of Jewish tourists coming in here, flying in, and the phone calls, emails, and requests for, is there kosher food, etc.? Is there a place for Shabbat? Come in daily. So at the moment, there's good news and bad news. The bad news first is you can't just go in and look for a kosher chicken. They do bring it in now and again, but it's at exorbitant cost. And Bermuda's has the most expensive cost of living in the world in Hamilton, certainly for, for food and groceries and rental. Uh, it's astronomical. It, it makes New York... So give, a, give us a sense. What... If I want a nice kosher chicken for my Friday night dinner, what's that going to set me back? Well, if you bring it from New York, it won't be expensive. But if you manage to find one frozen, it's going to be about 40 US dollars, which uh, <laughs> you can do the maths with that. Uh, however, all is not lost. We uh, eat a lot of fish here. And there's locally caught tuna and wahoo, which are kosher fish. And the brilliant news is that the supermarkets carry a range of Canadian and U.S. produce, which all are marked with a heksha. In fact, it's difficult to find anything that doesn't have a kosher stamp. So, if, for example, you wanted to kosher cater a kiddish, you could find cakes, donuts, uh, bread, pitters that have a very, very good that are even Jewish baked, Bishul Yisrael or Pat Yisrael, it's called. You can find uh, crisps and, uh, and any kind of vegetarian dishes uh, beyond burgers. So there's a range of those frozen ones. And in fact, one of the hotels, the Rosewood, uh, has kosher pre-packed frozen kosher meals ready on demand uh, if, if people want. My math has actually famously let me down, uh, unusually. That's actually 600 rand a chicken. So the next time you want to moan about kosher chicken, uh, just remember you could be living in Bermuda. That's right. And, and what I have done is uh, the power of the cooler bag. And on my last trip to New York and also to London, I was able to bring back a small amount of kosher meal. I declare it at customs and the customs officials are well versed. And uh, as long as you have under a certain amount, say $150 worth of kosher meals, they'll be very happy to to let you bring that in. And uh, so it really is a treat. Uh, I even have kosher burevors that came from uh, a South African kosher catering in Toronto. So, you know, uh, it, it's great to have a braai, which is lovely. You know, you can never take the South African out of me. And uh, But other than that, 
you know, it's very easy to get, you know, kosher supervised groceries. Uh, the, the, as I say, the prices are expensive. So fruit and veg, everything is imported apart from what's grown on the island. But we pay very, very dearly for the privilege of, you know, just making even a vegetable soup or a salad. Uh, it's eye-wateringly expensive. Now, Warren, I have to ask you this because it's just, um, I think, such an interesting part of the culture uh, in Bermuda. For official functions, I believe that appropriate dress is pink shorts. That's quite right. I was very lucky to get an invitation to the governor's mansion for the Queen's Platinum Jubilee. And that was a very formal occasion and people were wearing their decorations and medals and army uniform. And I was one of the only men that was not wearing Bermuda shorts with a navy blazer tie and long socks. That is official dress. It started in the army in the 1850s, I think, when an officer who was just so frustrated with the heat and humidity took a pair of scissors and lopped off his military trousers at the knee. And that's how Bermuda shorts were born. But they are certainly uh, part of the official dress. They don't have to be pink. They can be pink or red or turquoise. The brighter, the better. And uh, but certainly worn with a, with a formal shirt, a smart tie, navy blazer, uh, and um, the obligatory long navy hose and loafers, not lace-up shoes. So that's become quite a quaint symbol of Bermuda, and very, very much beloved and taken extremely seriously extremely seriously by the locals. I'm currently at work in the law office. I have a pair on. And I think what would make us stand out a little bit is that our shirt is tucked in and they're worn with a belt rather than with a sort of a baggy shirt and flip-flops. So we take our Bermuda shorts uh, and there are a couple of companies on the island that have them manufactured and tailored specifically different kinds of fabric, stretch fabric. And also you're looking at about $100 a pair. So it's not exactly a, um, you know, a Mr. Price or Woolworth special. Forgive me for the advertising. You, you could you could almost buy a, a, a kosher chicken. That's fascinating and fantastic. Almost uh, it sort of reminds me of the, the safari suit with a bit of panache. Exactly. It does. It does bring that back. And it also has that same ex-British colony uh, sort of uh, impression. You know, we also have what's called a magistrate's court here, similar to the South African magistrate's court. And a lot of the buildings are, are quite similar to what you'd say, for example, as I said, in Simonstown with those kind of storefronts. But uh, I'd say it's a very, very good mix between the American and, and British and uh, with, with a good dose of Portuguese, uh, but we're certainly not Caribbean. Although many companies, for example, our cell, one of the cell phone networks, it, you know, views Bermuda as the Caribbean. And for purposes of regional associations, Bermuda is very much grouped together with the Caribbean, even though it can take me about six, seven hours to fly there via Miami. So it's, it's just as far to get to Barbados. As it's a far quicker for me to get to London. You mentioned like the, 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 the original families versus like kind of the slave uh, community. I mean, is, is there tension in Bermuda amongst different groups or is it kind of quite collegial? You know, it's, it's a very, very good question. I personally live in a very Bermudian area and locals, I wouldn't call where I live expat village. 
And I think being South African, where we're so comfortable with all races and we've come through democracy and transitioned in a way that other parts of the world haven't, has definitely made me settle in Bermuda a lot e more easily. Bermudians are incredibly polite and friendly. For example, and I found this out in my first week, when you get onto a bus, and they're all pink buses, you're expected to not only sanitize and have your mask and then greet the driver, good morning or good afternoon, not hi. It's always good morning, good afternoon. And then you greet the entire bus, good afternoon all, and they all say good afternoon. And it's a bit like the old school children will pass you in the street and greet you. So they're brought up with this very, very strong requirement for politeness and greeting people. And if you're in a shop, uh, you can't just say, excuse me, where do I find the bananas? You'll have to say, good morning, where might I find the bananas? So uh, th th there's a lot of emphasis on that. So I find that people also will greet strangers in that way. And there's a lot of hooting, but it's not the kind of hooting you'll find in Joburg. It's a polite doot doot, which is a greeting saying, how do you do, good fellow? You know, so it's very much a greeting. People will let each other in the traffic and let each other go in a way you'd never find in a big city, whether it be Joburg or London. So there's extreme politeness on the road. I think the only problem is the, the people riding bikes tend to ride very, very close to your uh, to the rear of your car. And you have to be very, very careful. As I mentioned, there are quite a few accidents and sadly some fatalities on the road that's mainly because of the when it's raining it, it's very very wet and slippery on the bikes and there are a lot of hills and sharp corners and blind rises so you have to be extremely careful but um, other than that it's very friendly some people have said there is some tension between the races uh, now and again you will see comments in newspaper articles about well what about having this for bermudians and put bermudians first but the people are quite um, privileged in that most of the Bermudians who go to university go to study in the UK or Canada because they don't have to pay foreign student fees. And Bermudians who want to retire to the UK can do so straight away and rent out their houses here because it's a lot cheaper to live in England than it is in Bermuda. So generally, there's a fairly high standard of living. Uh, among Bermudians, although there, there will be a small amount of poverty, but it's not like anything one would find, for example, in other areas of the Caribbean, and there aren't any shanty towns of any sort. So it's generally pretty genteel and uh, middle class here. Oh, there you go. Uh, Warren, so if people want to think about having a kosher safari to Bermuda for their next holiday um, uh, or, or want to find out anything else about it, how would they go about doing that? Well, there's a lot on the internet, and there's also some Facebook pages, for example, one called Bermuda Bound, and people are very, very helpful to people. Uh, we still have some fairly strict COVID protocols in, in place. For example, you need to apply for and get a Bermuda travel authorization. Unvaccinated travelers are not allowed in at all, so it's stricter than South Africa. We only have one hospital, King Edward Hospital, and there are only 10 or 11 ICU beds. So at the height of the pandemic, when, when the ICU unit was looking to be, uh, looking that it was almost going to fill up, the government did have to, uh, or it felt it had to impose a rather strict lockdown. We weren't allowed to go shopping on certain days. But to answer your question, Benji, uh, we're very close to New York. So 
you know, it's not a place to make a specific trip to. And it is not a place where you will find the kind of all-inclusive resorts you'd find in the Bahamas or Jamaica. It is a little bit more old-fashioned than that. And while there are some beautiful hotels, they tend to be a lot quieter. Bermuda is very quiet. It, it, it isn't a noisy party uh, island, but it has magnificent beaches and beautiful, stunning, rocky coastline and walks. Uh, it's famous for its pink sand be- beaches, and the, the pink sands are really, really exquisite. It's very unspoiled. You're not going to find concession stands. It's only several of the beaches, like Horseshoe Bay, which is world famous, have ablution facilities and showers and takeaways. But a lot of the time, even during the peak season, you can drive somewhere and have a beach entirely to yourself. So Bermuda would really appeal to someone who wants a sense of history. Uh, there are quite a few forts around here. Uh, the forts were built by the British not to keep the French out, but rather to keep the Americans out, but the Americans never invaded. Because you'd imagine it's very, very strategically placed to control those uh, sea routes uh, in and out of north n- northeast US and Canada. So it is a really remarkable place. It has beautiful people, friendly people. And if anyone does find themselves um, in the northeastern US or Canada, I would highly recommend coming here for a week or four or five days. Uh, there are a lot of cruise ships coming out of America and the cruise ships stay for three days and uh, th- there really is quite a lot to see here. So um, I'd say it's highly recommended. Well, there you go. Uh, Warren Bank, thank you so much for joining us all the way from Bermuda, telling us what it's like to live in a not-so-Caribbean island uh, and uh, meet the people there and and also see the Jewish life. And uh, we hope that we'll see you back again in South Africa or maybe we'll have to do some high FM sessions directly from uh, on the ground in Bermuda. You'd be more than welcome to do that anytime, Benji. Thank you for your time and thank you for having me. I'm Benji Shulman and this is 101.9 high FM. You've been listening to Warren Bank talking to us about life in Bermuda.